0: Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And welcome to our second week of Oscar season, as each week one Best Picture winner will be taking on a challenger on this week's episodes in the Red Corner. It snaffled up an impressive seven Oscars from its ten nominations, including, of course, Best Picture, and snagged Kevin Costner the Best Director award to boot. On top of all that, it was a mammoth hit, becoming the fourth highest-grossing movie of that year. From 1990, we're talking *Dancers with Wolves*.
1: And they sent you here to be posted. Actually, sir, I'm here at my own request. I've always wanted to see the frontier. You want to see the frontier. Before it's gone. What about Indians? Indians? Goddamn Indians!
0: While in the blue corner, our challenger this week was also nominated for Best Picture but walked away empty-handed on the night as The Hurt Locker took the big prize. But don't feel too bad for it, because having just been re-released in China, it is once again the highest-grossing film in history from 2009. We're talking Avatar. The concept is to drive these remotely controlled bodies called Avatars. They're grown from human DNA mixed with DNA of the natives.
1: Marine in an Avatar body. That's a potent mix. You get me
0: what I need, I'll see to it you get your legs bent. Your real legs. Hell yeah, sir.
1: Looks like you. This is your Avatar. Just relax and let your mind go blank. Shouldn't be heard for you.
0: So, what connects these two films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Clash Potters, something poked me in the butt. Was that you? I'm Alex Zane.
3: I'm Vicky Crompton.
2: I'm Chris Tilly. I've just pissed my pants and nobody can do anything about it.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, Lockdown's affected us all. How does today find you both? Victoria, how are you?
3: Um, I was just telling Chris, I am feeling like buzzed because I went to the dentist this morning. And as you know, that is my biggest fear. So my fight or flight reflexes are like zinging mm. and I feel alive because I've been terrified, but I've come back from the edge of terror.
0: Was it uh, was it okay? I mean, what I mean, was, happened? I no,
3: mean, it was fucking horrendous. <laughs> right, <laughs> dentist, right, right, but, right. But I mean, I wasn't there for anything extensive. I'm just very, very scared of the dentist. Uh, she was okay. laughing at me because I couldn't even lean back in the chair. She's like, you do realise you have to lean back. I was like, no. Um, <laughs> but I did it. So good for thing. me.
0: Do they not offer you gas? Is that a thing? Are we allowed gas here? I know they do it in America. Do you want gas? Here's some gas. Do they not offer that here? Uh, not at the dentist, I've found. <laughs> but- <laughs> <laughs> at Egg Nightclub in King's Cross, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mowed uh, my lawn. So, uh, yeah, well done to me. Chris, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Alex. Excellent! That is the small talk section of this week's show, over. So this week's clash, Dancers with Wolves versus Avatar. These were Chris's choices. So show two of our Oscar season, week two, in fact. Why these films, Chris? Because
2: I sent you and Vicky a list of potential Oscar pairings we could do, and this is one of the ones you picked.
0: Did we? Excellent. Uh, To be honest, you didn't actually respond, Vicky, but Alex did. (laughs) All (laughs) right. All right. I mean, you can't complain if you don't respond, Victoria. So I hope you've enjoyed this pairing. Um, also, I did, I, I did a bit of
2: digging. And um, in, uh, when we asked for pairings from our listeners for January, uh, this did come up. Tom Hyten suggested, um, suggested doing an eight-hour special of Avatar, Fern Gully and Dance with Wood Wolves. He said, I know this is too much for the current format of the podcast, but I'd love it. Um, So I'm sorry, Tom, we aren't doing Fern Gully on its own, but we will talk Fern Gully over the course of this show. (laughs) (laughs) So the clue you gave us on last week's show was, Chris... Uh, Ain't no saviour like a gun-toting white saviour. You then followed that up on Twitter
0: with... Colonialism is bad. (laughs) So uh, the guesses came in on Twitter. We are at ClashPod. We're also on Instagram at ClashPod. A lot of people still not following the one-film-must-have-won-best-picture rule... But here are the ones that did. And a couple came in this week with addendums. Uh, so, first of all, Aaron went for Dancers with Wolves versus The Last Samurai. And he adds, by the way, The Last Samurai wasn't freaking Tom Cruise. It was Ken Wanatabi. People always get that wrong. Thanks, Aaron. Sam Turner says The Reverend versus Dancers with Wolves. Uh, Camillo also says The Reverend versus Dancers with Wolves, although he adds, please don't. (laughs) Rorari Smythe, The Patriot versus Last of the Mohicans. Daniel Flynn, The Patriot versus Braveheart. But our winners this week, Katie, Anthony Gerard, Foob were danced out of competition by previous winner Andrew Logan, who was first in... Congratulations, Andrew. Your prize is a wolf. Right. <laughs> Connection section. Who'd like to start?
3: Uh, legs. <laughs> Sorry. Legs. <laughs> legs. Legs. John legs. Dunbar nearly loses a leg, but then he later says foot, but I think it's meant to be his leg. And Sully is a wheelchair user in Avatar. So legs.
0: Good, Good start. I'm. Oh. Gratuitous
2: bum oh, yeah. shots of our heroes.
0: Yeah. When do we remind wait, When remind me? I'm, obviously, I'm covering Avatar on Thursday. Remind me when we see Jake Sully's bottom
2: when he goes for a run when he first um, is in his body and he's jogging. He's wearing oh, sort of a okay. nightgown and and we yeah. close up on yeah, his yeah.
0: buttocks. It's it's a it's a Navi or Avatar bum. I got you. I got you. Uh, I'm going to throw in a Wes Studi, uh, the actor Wes Studi. He is in both these movies in. Well, Avatar, he plays a toucan, Natiri's father, and in Dances with Wolves, he's credited as Toughest Pawnee. Okay. (laughs) Couldn't
2: you go a bit further? Uh, I think Wes Studi
0: dies. Wes Studi does die, yeah. We could have thrown Last of the Mohicans into this week and done a triple header of Wes (laughs) Studi. I mean, I
2: did spend a lot of Dances with Wolves thinking I wish I was watching Last of the Mohicans right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Battered military men who find something pure in an endangered tribal culture. Hmm.
3: Yeah, uh, shagging an important daughter.
0: Narration. Narration. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, an angry warrior will really not like you, but then later on, he will really like you. Yes. Uh, taming a wild animal.
3: Oh, I had that. Yeah. Unnecessarily, mm. really, just for a laugh. <laughs> uh,
0: I got, I got lots of killing of animals, like a lot, which obviously made me sad. Um, any more?
2: I've got a couple more. Uh, they both had inferior and unnecessary extended
0: versions. We are, we're, we're doing the four-hour dances with wolves today, right? Obvs. I'm not. <laughs> Uh, you better be. <laughs> you better be, Victoria.
2: Uh, to, I'd say these films are two of the biggest gambles in Hollywood history as well, when we talk about the the behind-the-scenes
0: stories. Mm-hmm. Good. Victoria? Uh, no, that's it. Chris? No. Uh, My final one comes from the LA Times in August 2009 when the journalist asked James Cameron about Avatar. They suggested, there's maybe some heritage linking it to Dancers with Wolves To which Cameron replied, Yes, exactly, it's very much like that. (laughs) So we have a solid connection this week, an external connection. Right, let's crack on with this. On Thursday, I'll be opening Pandora's Box with Avatar, which means today, Victoria is riding us out to the frontier in Dances with Wolves. V, take us on a journey.
1: Okay,
3: okay. Okay, right. Costner is a hero. I mean, Kevin Costner plays Civil War hero John Dunbar, who'd rather die than use crutches, ending up on a frontier outpost after an attempt to die by suicide is bizarrely interpreted as heroism. But it's here that Kevin can spend time with the real love of his life, his diary forcing himself on his Sioux neighbours so he can draw pictures of them in his diary, hassling a hungry wolf so he can tell his diary all about it, and most romantically of all, risking absolutely everything and his new life with the Sioux as dances with wolves to rescue his diary from some bad guys back home. Tragically, the diary is used as loo roll, then thrown in the river, and Kevin has to voice over his heroic decision to leave the Sioux alone into the uncaring void until he's reunited with his diary and heroically sets off with his wife for more thrilling adventures as a threesome. Be- <laughs> uh,
0: the bloody diary! <laughs> I couldn't believe that was what was going to upset the apple cart at the end, that diary. Gotta go back oh. for that diary. Gotta. Right.
3: <laughs> the, the,
2: the narration is the diary, and then when the diary yeah. no longer exists, what are we listening to?
3: Yeah, who is he talking to? <laughs> if <Is> he <laughs> to? <sticks laughs> <upon? upon you? laughs> Um, so maybe you can tell I'm not sure but I've managed to avoid this film my whole life because it is a mum film and I don't want to watch a mum film because I don't want to be that mum so I've never seen it Um, that's my history please tell me yours
0: Uh, I watched it when I was I think probably about 11 or 12 like shortly after it was released on home video Um, I think I remember at the time thinking this is the longest film I've ever seen. And before watching it again, I did try and remember, because uh, this was the second viewing, I did try and remember anything from it. And the only thing that I could remember was uh, the shocking image of skinned buffalo on the plains. And uh, that was the only thing I could remember. What about and some, you, Chris? And, and some shots of grass. There's
3: a lot of that. So uh,
2: yeah, I was 12 when this came out and I remember going to see this in the cinema with my friends and my abiding memories are of loving it and it having an interval, which was yes, which was such a strange thing. And well, I guess it was quite normal in the 60s and 70s and 80s, but um, I think
0: that's probably the last film I saw that had an interval.
2: So it's unimaginable What's now. What's your...
0: What? What's your feeling on intervals as a rule? Because as films get longer, there was—I think it was—it was around the time of maybe the, the Hateful Eight—or there was a, a long film that came out—and there was a discussion in the film press about whether intervals were a good thing or not. Uh, what did, what's your what's your take on them as films seemingly get longer and longer? Well, I I have an issue because uh,
2: of my age. I now fall asleep quite regularly in long films, so it might be quite useful to have an interval. But equally, I don't really like having my concentration broken in that way. So.
0: Uh, I say, ultimately, yeah. I'm against because it does it does interrupt the film, um, which I, I think you know is it, it spoils the the immersive experience. But I have uh, famously, well, not famously, I have a small bladder, and therefore, the longer films get, the more important it is that I have an end seat on the row in the cinema because I cannot deal with the social anxiety of having to walk past people. Uh, to get to the toilet, and inevitably I will need the toilet. So I'm, I'm kind of pro-interval in that respect because my social anxiety outweighs the immersive experience of cinema. <laughs> uh,
2: I liked it so much back then, though. I brought the four-hour cut on video and watched that. Cool. Of course you did. Um, when you were of 12. Quite, I, well, I can't even
0: feign surprise
2: anymore. <laughs> of course you did. So I watched that. I also had watched Dance with Wolves four or five times around that two, three-year period, and I have (laughs) never, ever seen it since. I've never wanted to, I've never thought to, and so... Make of that what you will. I wonder
3: why it just found. I wonder what it was in your twelve-year-old brain that was like, "This is this is the one for me." That I, I'm going to watch this four times. I wasn't
2: alone though. It was it was a real it was a huge deal. It was, yeah, everyone it was went to see it as I remember, and everyone was talking about it. It was a it was a, a sort of cultural moment, and then it it just seems to have disappeared. I remember, I might have even brought it up on the Goodfellas episode. I did. Someone was talking about goodfellas not winning best picture that year and 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 the guy said well who talks about dance with wolves now it's it it lost the battle but it won the war
3: people's mums talk about it so i did a little bit of research i remember my mum loved this film and loved kevin costner and that's why she went to see it and all i remember is her and my dad going on about how there was an interval and they were very pleased about it um and mark's mum, this is the film she'll put on you know just to relax which of all the films in the world (laughs) is mad
0: I know. Are you kidding? I get that. To me, this is, this is, this is the perfect movie to relax to. It's, like I said, it's three hours long, and an hour of which is shots of grassland. You yeah, can you, just chill out. It's like David whale music. the voiceover, couldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, though, because I said to my mum that we were doing Dances with Wolves this week, and she went, oh, Dances with Wolves. I'm like, you never know any of the movies we're doing. She's like, <laughs> but it's Dances with Wolves, Kevin Costner. And then I think I, I broke her heart a little bit by going, yeah, but after this, he made the Postman. Have you seen the Postman? And she went, "Oh no!" I was like, "Yeah, go watch the Postman."
3: <laughs> I
0: mean, everybody's
3: mum loves Kevin Costner. Is this not true? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I love Robin Hood, so I don't hate Kevin Costner. It's not that. Um, I just avoided it because I'd heard it was boring, <laughs> so I didn't watch it. Okay, let's talk about the making of this epic, epic film. Are you ready?
0: Yep. I'll yes. Yes.
3: Okay, good. Right, so the writer Michael Blake and Kevin Costner are sort of mates uh, way back when, in the 80s. And while living in Kevin Costner's house, rent-free, Michael Blake is writing and writing. And I read an interview with someone that said he would even read to Costner's daughter at night. Then Costner's wife was done with having a house guest. And I can imagine, stop reading Civil War yarns <laughs> to my young daughter. <laughs> Get out of my house. I'm married to Kevin Costner. I don't need this um, shit.
0: Anyway. Skinned, skinned <laughs> buffalo, line the plains. <laughs> <Yeah>. and... <laughs>
3: Also, why are you in her room by yourself? No, none of it. (laughs) Get out. Fine. So apparently, so he leaves and he leaves all his writing behind and he he moves to Arizona and he's working jobs like washing dishes and he was at times homeless and all the rest of it. Um, And sometimes he would ask Kevin Costner for money to help him and Kevin Costner would say no. But he would always say, you know, why don't you read what I left behind? And he read it and it was a screenplay for Dances with Wolves. However, and he loved it. But... No one wanted to do a Western at that point. So Kevin Costner says to Michael Blake, you know, we, we being me and eventual producer Jim Wilson, we think you should do it as a book, try and get it published and then use that. You know, then you've got an existing fan base and we'll try and get some interest in the screenplay after that. So the novel was released in 1988. Costner options it for $75,000. Uh, now they've got a problem though, because the script they all like is th- three hours long. Um, around a third of the dialogue is in the Sioux Lakota dialect. The budget is like $16.7 million, so nobody wants it. Uh, like it. It's like, yeah, I get it. It's, it's brilliant that it worked out, but I wonder if they were surprised. I don't know. Anyway, um, so what they do, they cobble enough together from foreign pre-sales apparently armed with only a picture of Kevin Costner in a civil war uniform on a horse. <laughs> I, love, I, love that idea. I mean I, I mean but that would work.
2: Yeah, I've seen mm. those pictures though. They they've they've got footage of the photo shoot and the photos. He does look good.
3: I'm, course I'm thinking, does. Like, of course you know, he does. Of course
2: And it's very similar to the poster one of the posters they ended up using. So they they knew exactly what they were doing.
3: Yeah, it mm. would work. It would. And so they they're able to start production. Then Orion Pictures put in um 10 million and and kevin costner apparently puts in another another bit of his own money three million dollars so they get the money they need to finish the film this fun bit of trivia um now the decision to use real wolves and not what was what was described as hybrid dogs added 10 days to the shooting schedule which i love (laughs) i just love the idea that i mean but i suppose wolves are difficult but like difficult (laughs) they won't come out of their trailer then you've lost half a day then the light's gone and it's like fuck's sake wolf why don't we just use a hybrid dog we can't it's called dancing with wolves just all of like 10 days is a long time to not use a big dog I I mean you
0: know they
2: they might Uh, be difficult also there's a good chance it might bite off your hand
3: yeah (laughs) but, Yeah, but, but then you know maybe a hybrid dog could also do that I don't know I don't know much about dogs
0: I wonder. I wonder if we were seeing the first glimmers of uh, the, the the kind of um, the kind of star Kevin Costner would go on to become Waterworld era here, where he's they're like, we've got this hybrid dog. It looks exactly like a wolf. Kevin, he's <laughs> yeah. like, but but is it a wolf? And they're like, well, no, it's a, it's a hybrid dog. But look, that it looks exactly like. But is it a wolf? Well, from the wor- get me a fucking wolf. <laughs>
2: from the word go, he insisted on having final cut, which is not something you'd normally give to a first time director, let alone of no. someone with a three hour movie a third of it in, with subtitles. So he knew his mind from the, from the get-go.
3: Yeah, it's It's very impressive. Now, I read, I hope this is true because it's a fun bit of, like, hey, Hollywood. But I did read it on Michael Blake's own website, so um, hopefully it's true. So they they shoot the film, but they can't afford what they need for post without selling off the costumes and props from production. Isn't that mad? <laughs> so they have, like, a car boot sale, basically, and sell off all the costumes, raise a little bit of money to get through post, um,
0: that's that's so weird i i mean it's it's so weird because normally when you think of a movie selling its props this is after the movie has become a hit and they go for quite a lot of money so yeah. those same props that probably were like a car boot sale they were like to i don't know twenty dollars for this uh this jacket yeah. you know forty dollars for this hybrid uh, wolf wolf um you <laughs> yeah. know whereas i've got, the got a same, diary <laughs> they were selling off animals as well as props wow
3: what do you mean really
0: yeah well like what well, like what animals like I mean, surely the the horses were brought in as trained animals. This is like that. Sorry, that's my trained horse that you're now now selling off. I didn't give it to you.
3: You've got it stood by a decorating table in a car park in Bedding. That's not well, <laughs> one,
2: one of the one of the weird bits of trivia is that is that the the buffalo or the bison? Two of them that they used were house trained. I don't know what that means. And uh, they belonged mm-hmm. to Neil Young. Neil Young lent them. To the, the production. Oh,
3: yeah, I did read that. Yeah.
0: Of, co- of, of course he has Buffalo. That's <laughs> not a surprise. Yeah.
3: yeah. Um so that's kind of it. There is, as one of you generously mentioned, there is a four-hour version. I've been trying to write a joke for this all week and I couldn't. So I've just seen my notes look it says called cool Dances With Wolves at the X cook because I haven't filled in the joke. So if anyone <laughs> has got Something funny they can call an even longer version of Dances (laughs) with Wolves. Please
0: speak to Chris on Twitter. Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. We can workshop this now. Dances with Wolves. The pause pause for thoughts version.
3: Oh, that's nice. Uh, Oh, well done. What a professional.
0: Um, (laughs) The Dances with Wolves. It's not the end of the tale. No, I should have stopped while I was ahead. You're right. Let's just see.
3: Brevity, brevity. Um... There was a follow-up. So Michael Blake did a follow-up called Holy Road and John Dunbar was going to be in it and he was going to be married to stands with a Fist and they've got kids and it sort of picks up, you know, to see what their life is like after they leave the tribe. Um, guess who was going to play John Dunbar according to one thing I read on the internet?
2: Well, I, I, I don't know if this, if this is the answer, but I know that Michael Blake uh, also became very good friends with Vigo Mortensen.
3: Yes, do you know why?
0: No, because they both he was, love horses. He was, was married ba- to his cousin. Ah. So
3: Michael oh. Blake's wife is Viggo Mortensen's cousin. Trivia! How do you like them apples? Mm, very good. He,
2: <laughs> he even before they made the move, this movie, he used to call Viggo our uh, Dance of the Wolves. Wow.
3: Oh, really? Okay. So, yeah, um, any more?
0: No. Uh, no. Oh, that's good for me.
3: No, okay, great. Mm. Okay, great. Okay. So let's just talk about this film. Um. I've really. Got, I feel a bit nervous, and I've been up and down this week about what to do because it's a long film, and I wasn't in the best frame of mind when I watched it. And I was, but I was prepared to be swept away. So I don't want to see.
0: Why, why? Why was that, Victoria? <laughs> why was it? Why? What why was
3: it? I uh, was feeling a little <laughs> tired and a little emotional <laughs> because I had a hangover, and it was a big yeah. one.
0: <laughs> I, I could tell it was a big one. Even through WhatsApp, I was like, "Oh, that's 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 not a good hangover." There's no joy in that hangover.
3: No, it was very very edgy. I hadn't done anything, but I just, you know, when you, just, you your brain is edgy and like all scattered anyway, you just a light on something to cause panic. And I was just like, Ugh! "I think." And you, then I, I
2: wonder... Let me be honest with you now, Vicky. I think you need to organise your weekend better because. <laughs>
3: there's surely a way
2: you could have done Dance of Wolves pre-drinking, not post-drinking. It just seems (laughs) like bad, bad preparation.
3: Bad planning. I know, I know. I know, and I knew I was going to drink that much as well. It wasn't a surprise to me. I, I did it with my eyes open. It's my own fault. Anyway, okay, let's talk about this film. So here's Kevin Costner as Lieutenant John Dunbar. He is fighting with the Union Army against the Confederates during the American Civil War. Now at this point, so bear in mind, this is like fresh eyes for me. I don't, I know the basic story, but I don't know much about the character. So to me, it looks like he'd rather die than lose just one leg. So I didn't, I thought it was a little bit of a comedy cut. The way he's on the sort of the slab, and these field surgeons are going to cut off his leg, and he sees a man who's had that procedure, and he's like, -uh, "Not for me." Mm. Um. So he attempts to take his own life by riding at Confederate lines. And he looks beautiful, but the, oh man, the slow mo and the music, and it's like, oh, I get it. This guy is a hero. Fact, like Kevin Costner is a hero. Well, he's it's not. Um, he's
2: not just a hero, is he? He does. He, he's, he does the Christ pose on the on the yes. cross. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs>
3: yeah. Mm. yeah. So I was like,
0: "Is that a bit heavy-handed?" I don't know. Um, but then we we do get some narration where he is surprised afterwards. He he says that trying to produce my own death elevated me to the level of hero. Who knew? Yeah, I, I think I think it makes an interesting
2: dichotomy because they they tell him he's an officer worth saving because of his bravery, but we know and he knows that it was because he wanted to die. So it was the opposite of bravery, really.
3: I, that's a good point, and I agree with you. I just think the direction and the music is like, I'm supposed to think you're a hero. There's no room for uh, my own interpretation of your situation. You you are meant to be incredible to me, you know? Just like, yeah. anyway.
0: I mean, it's, it's, it's bewildering that the officers go, wow, that guy has just won us this battle. Like, have they ever seen um, military action before? Because it was clearly... And attempt to die by suicide. Like there is no way you can misinterpret that and go bloody hell. Well done. That was great because we've won. Now it's it's so strange that that's the way they interpreted it.
3: Yeah, I think so. It really threw me for a bit because I understood what needed to happen in the scene that we're establishing John Dunbar as a hero. But I was like, did, would they really fall for that? Like, Would they really not be like, oh, he's clearly trying to take his own life? Right, because exactly. what's the technique? That otherwise, just just no one ever say to him, what were you doing when you did that?
0: <laughs>
3: and he's like, oh, I was trying to distract them a bit. <laughs> I, don't I don't know what it is. Yeah. But then I am not a military man, so... Shut the fuck up, hey?
0: Yeah, right. Me too. Uh, Me too.
3: <laughs> so anyway, then he goes on the world's weirdest road trip, which is part of his perk of being a hero. Um, and he's off to the edge of the frontier by choice to go glamping, effectively. Um, he burns a moose, <laughs> which then catches the attention of Native Americans, but not the good ones, the bad ones. Because in this film, the Sue are good, the pawnee are bad, Kevin Costner is a hero, and everyone else is a nightmare. And that's
0: it. Um. um- can we just? I, I just one scene that you've skipped over. I only wrote it down because I was like, "This scene is so odd. <laughs> um, I love it." Which is the the very uh, the obese military officer who first yeah. greets him at this frontier town before he sends him even further into the frontier, and I just. I wasn't quite sure what was going on. I mean, that guy's has that guy gone mad or is he just too drunk? Because you hear him open a drawer in his desk and it's the clinking of bottles, and you're like, hang on a sec, something's not quite right here. I've heard that sound before. And then he just is just so weird and then kills himself. And it's like, what, what, was, that? Well, he's got, he's what was that? He's, whole he's mad. He's mad.
2: He's mad. He, he, I think there's shades of Lord Melchit from Black Ellie Goes Forth in this character. The the yeah. kind of insane generals that were sending people off, you know, he sent he's just sent this guy off to this far outpost where he knows no one else is going to be. He's basically pranked John Dunbar here. <laughs> um, he obviously said that line. Uh, I've just pissed my pants and nobody can do anything about it, which I want to bring up again in case people heard me say at the start of this podcast and didn't realise I was making a joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so he's he's a nut job and he's the reason that you know, the, he's also the the catalyst for the story because no one, uh, because he's dead, no one knows that that's where John Dunbar has been sent, which is why he's stuck on his own for such a long time. Right. Good, 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 good. Yeah, very good. I mean, you're
3: right. I shouldn't have skipped over it because it is a very eye-catching scene. But I was like, well, th- all this character work has gone into this. He must come back. And then when he killed himself, I was like, well, what's the point? What was that for? And it was the sort of thing I thought, I bet it worked really well in the book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> his performance um, is is i just love him i think he's fantastic
3: yeah he is good so uh kevin costner is in his frontier outpost he is staring at a wolf um uh so this is the thing he he wants to tame a wild creature a wolf right and that annoyed me a bit because why do you need to tame a wild creature why can't you just let it be at first I thought the wolf was going to be a threat because I thought it might I don't know anything again I don't know anything about wolves or dogs I thought it might eat his horse are they capable of that I don't know but I thought he's oh I'm going to try and tame the wolf rather than kill it because I don't want to kill it because it's you know it's beautiful whatever but he's like no I just want it to be my friend I want it to eat out of my hand it's like that's that's going to get it killed like I think you should leave it alone
0: isn't it just because, I think I'd do the same, though. I think it's because he's super lonely. Yeah, that's, he's that's literally on his own in the a, middle of yeah. the grasslands. Yeah, he's looking for a mate. Yeah. yeah. And animals animals play a huge part in this, and men's relationship with animals. Like Already we've had Timmons, um, the, the man who loves his pickled eggs. Oh, does he love a pickled egg? Um, who rode uh, Kevin Costner out there. And when the Pawnee kill him, when they, you think they're going to kill Kevin because they think you think it's their, his fire, but it's actually Timmons' fire when he's left Kevin. And the only thing he says uh, as they're killing him is, and it's heartbreaking, mm-hmm. and he, he's kind of a lovable character. He says, please don't hurt my mules. Please just don't hurt my mules. Even though he knows he's dying, that's his dying wish. And I think what we're setting up there is just how important your relationship with an animal is because you spend so much time alone out here on the plains.
3: I do get that. I just think I, I, it wrong-footed me a bit because when Kevin Costner is whinging about Timmons into his diary about him being a peculiar fellow, or so, like he's annoyed by him because he is annoying. He said something like, "If it wasn't for him, I'd be having the time of my life," which mean meant to me you'd rather be alone because it, you know he's getting on your nerves. So hmm. if you'd rather be alone, what difference does a wolf make? <laughs>
0: well wolf isn't gonna a wolf isn't gonna spit pickled egg every time it talks and farts. So And he doesn't I, 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 he doesn't know I mean, at that
2: I, point that he's travelling to a, a deserted outpost either. He's sort of enjoying the trip oh, into true. the frontier yeah. and he's expecting to see more he's, he's expecting to see people.
3: That's true. Yeah, I misread that. that is, that's a good point. Um, and he gets his bum out. Now, I think, without meaning to besmirch our mothers, I think this is why our mums like it. Um, <laughs> it was, I think, think it was contractual,
2: wasn't it, for Kevin Costner to get his ass out. <laughs> yeah. I think in this yeah. three-year period, he got his uh, his bum out in every single film, from Revenge to Robin Hood to
0: this. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a good bum. I mean, it was uh, one-upped by Kevin Bacon, though, a few years later, a little after this, uh, where he got little Kevin, uh, front Kevin, out in, in about, <laughs> I think he had, a, he had a four-picture deal for little Kevin to come out. I think it was like The Hollow Man, Wild Things, to name two, and you're like, all right, what is this Kevin game in Hollywood where the Kevins are trying to one-up each other? You saw, you saw Bacon's <laughs> pig in a blanket.
3: I mean little <laughs> Kevin makes me feel sad but front Kevin makes me laugh a lot <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. anyway so uh, Kevin is going to gradually get to know his neighbours so at first his two neighbours so at first so this is mostly Wind in his hair who hates him and Kicking Bird who's kind of willing to give it a go and he has what I think is the world 's most upsetting meet cute with the white woman who will eventually become his wife stands with a fist it 's really upsetting I, I It took me a long time to figure out what she was trying to do. I thought that she 'd had an accident and it st- and then it wasn 't cleared up maybe for too long for me. I was really curious to know why she was such a mess when um she sees him and the whole like she she's like ah and then she faints <laughs> i just i don't know about that and then i was convinced he was so he puts her on his horse and he rides into the village and i was sure that they were going to see that and what what that would look like to them to the Sioux, is that this white man has hurt this woman and he's kidnapped her and he's sort of bringing her back to be like look how powerful i am because i've hurt her like how is he going to explain to them that she was like that it was like that when i found it kind of thing
0: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't seem to it didn't pay off they were like okay you should go away but we don't think that you hurt her so, you know, um, but anyway, let's talk more about Mary MacDonald because um, her performance, The Stands With A Fist, I didn't know what to expect. I'd read a lot about it before watching it. Um, but the, her sort of relearning English as she goes in order to act um, as an interpreter. Is it a translator, interpreter? One of the two for sure. I thought, I thought that was brilliant.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is one of I, the two. I, I will say, in the in the, in the three-hour experience that is Dances with Wolves, I, I didn't spend a lot of time on whether it was translator or interpreter. But okay. we, we we can do a separate pod, maybe on Wednesday this week about that.
3: I mean, it's because one is speaking and one is writing, isn't it? And I should know. Why do I not know? Oh, it's because I don't speak any of the languages. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Never comes up. Uh, anyway, I just, you know, the way she's sort of like stutteringly and she doesn't want to do it because it brings up a lot of memories. She gets so much across in her struggling to say, you here is good, which is just really amazing. Um, so before we talk about colonial attitudes, I think we'll have a small break.
1: How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.
0: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile.
1: This week. That's the Karnov. Kind of. Over on Clash of the Titles,
0: the gang are counting down to the Oscars with a special month of Best Picture Clashes.
2: Rocky won the Oscar that year. Do you guys think it was a deserving winner that year or do you think yeah. something else should have won?
3: I think Taxi Driver should have won.
2: I am with you, Vicky. My heart says Rocky. Rocky's one of my favourite films of all time. I don't like yeah. watching Taxi Driver, but it is...
0: <laughs> no. It is. <laughs> it's true. It is amazing. <laughs> no, and it's,
3: it, it's so true. No one's ever like, oh, do you want a Bosch Taxi (laughs) (laughs)
0: or if that doesn't tickle your fancy and why wouldn't it check out the book club on Football Ramble Presents where former footballer Ricky Hill discusses the highs and lows of his storied career my schoolmaster came in after us and said oh you know you've been invited three of you have been invited for trials up at Luton and I initially my thoughts were where where is Luton I I had no idea
2: (laughs) and and I said well I'm not going um, (laughs)
3: all that and a whole lot more
0: Hell of, a, hell of a teaser. Hell of a teaser. One of our, one of our best inter-breaks uh, for a while. Before we talk about colonial attitudes, we'll see you after the break.
3: I know, I'm, I'm trying to talk myself out of this podcast. So I'm trying to get onto the, onto the BBC. I don't, I don't know, regional accents are a thing with the BBC? I'm not sure. Um. So, yeah, so this is the section of the film which I imagine at the time... Everyone was like, "This is great," but now again, fresh eyes, 2021. You're just like, "Oh, not the fault of the film necessarily, uh, but I think it's a legitimate reason to say it hasn't aged as well as you might hope." Because this is John Dunbar's section where he's like, "Hey, these guys are just like us. <laughs> they're not beggars, and th-. he literally says they're not beggars and thieves," which in 1990 was probably a big deal in terms of what had come before on screen. But now it's just like, mm-hmm, "Yeah, <laughs> all right."
0: But isn't it? I mean, I, I do. I, I don't disagree that the film, uh, you know, there are issues um, around this. But I think in that instance, that particular instance, it's it's talking about his uh, his characters, uh, what he's been told uh, that Native Americans were at that point. So it's, yes, he's only. Um,
3: but I would only... counter that the character of John Dunbar is actually quite paper thin. There isn't that much to him because jumping ahead a little bit, he easily lets his identity as John Dunbar go. He even says, to your face, I didn't even know who that guy was. And it's like, me neither, Kevin, me neither. He doesn't seem, there isn't much to him. The, the heroism was an accident, really. Um, he reacts to his settings in quite a uh, a mild way. He's not he's not ruffled by being alone. He tries to befriend a wolf, but he's not freaking out. Um I don't think there's that much to John Dunbar, so John Dunbar's realization that the Native Americans are quote marks like just like us doesn't mm. feel like that big a reveal for that character. It feels like it's there for the audience to me again, but with 2021 vision on it.
0: No, granted, I do think that's an interesting point. I hadn't, I, uh, I hadn't thought of that. There was something bothering me throughout the first portion of this film and the second portion of this film, but it was it is that it's that he is uh, he's an enigma himself so it's very difficult to latch on to what his opinions are for them to then be undone. Yeah. So maybe we
2: needed an extra sort of half hour at the start to spend more time <laughs> with around other people to get to know him.
3: Uh, is that what's in the, the the um the end of the tale cut or not? I
2: obviously can't remember. <laughs>
3: Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just a lot of extended
2: scenes from what I remember. There's not, there's nothing drastic. It's one of those weird additional hours where you, you don't really miss it when it's not there.
3: Yeah, and I, it's a very, I don't know. I'm, I'm a, I'm not a youngster, but I am a product of my time, and I do need a little bit of motivation to get me through quite long scenes. Like, so the, the hunt for the buffalo. Very famous scene because it was done for real. There's buffalo everywhere. Uh, the Sioux are riding through them, hunting them. Uh, John Dunbar is helping them out. He rescues someone inevitably to be a hero. Um, but apart from the spectacle of it, uh, what is my, what's my motivation for wanting this to go well or not for him? Because at this point, he's kind of in with the Sioux. He's kind of you know it's it's not under threat. But if it goes badly, so what? If it goes well, kind of so what? Like it's a it's a fantastic. Seen to watch for the spectacle, but I didn't have that extra, like, current pulling me along of, like, I need this to turn out a certain Isn't way. It, is it
2: not the fear of starvation that that's driving him and the sure. people he's with? Um,
3: but then it wasn't... I mean, for all the attention to detail, and bear in mind, I, as I say, I was slightly tired and emotional... I missed a bit where it was clear what they were going to do with all this meat. Do they salt it, dry it, eat it on the spot? Like, I didn't understand what was going to happen Did, with all this you meat. You wanted the yeah, salted and, and, and drying it, of
2: the meat sequence. <laughs> I, think,
0: I think that's what I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> and, and just, is it is it an interpreter or a translator? <laughs> it, um, it's weird, though, because you're, uh, like, the, the spectacle... Of it, uh, I didn't even remember that. As I said at the start, the bit I remember is the skinned buffalo lying dead that the white hunters have killed, which is the more powerful image. Which is all about the death of the uh, the frontier and uh, the, the 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 life of them. Um, how it says at the end, the horse people, the horse tribe. Yeah. Well,
2: I, I remember it very well because if if we were picking our favourite scene, having just seen the cinema, it's that scene. That's what you come out remembering because it's spectacular on the big screen, but it is. It's not the same watching it on a telly at all.
3: Yeah. And, and you know however many years it is later can't do that right now. Uh 21 years later. Is that right? 30.
0: No. 30. <laughs> <laughs> is it interpreter or translator? <laughs> How do you salt <laughs> buffalo meat? <laughs> I, I won't lie, these aren't the questions I thought we'd be bringing to the yeah, table with my Dancers I don't know what you, Alex, not my notes. With <laughs> <wolves>. <laughs>
3: 31 years later, it is incredible that they did it for real with all those buffalo and a big star in the middle of it all. Falling but off. I was still like that. Yeah, falling, falling, falling off.
2: He rearranged some of his vertebrae. Um Ooh, yuck. yeah, they thought he was in real trouble, and then the film would have been over pretty much, but um he managed to get back up on his horse and finish the scene.
3: Uh, so you know, so it goes well. Um <laughs> they hunt some buffalo. And and now at this point to me, the sewer like basically to Kevin, you can go now. <laughs> but Kevin invites himself over unannounced. What psycho does that? He says to his diary, We're neighbours, what harm can it do? Are you ma- laughing? Imagine. It's- He's lonely. Yeah, but you don't, you have to wait to be invited. You can't just turn up. <laughs> what if they don't want to see you?
0: What? They've said what? to
3: him, You should. they didn't say you should go, but they're like, so we're going to shoot off. Bye. And I, don't then he's think, like,
0: I, I don't think they're that bothered. I think they, they, they're fairly open to visitors anyway, seeing as that when he does arrive and go, hello, uh, what's going on? I just have nothing to do. So I thought I'd come over and say hi. They're like, yeah, cool not only come in and have some food and share a pipe with us but also sleep next to me and my wife while we're making out <laughs> in our tent. Yeah. Uh, and I, I I I puzzled over that because it's quite strange. They're making out and then Kevin's obviously very sad because it's it's reinforcing his loneliness as he as he watches them make out and then he turns away and she and um she uh looks at him and so does he. They both look at Kevin and they see how sad he is. And that seems to arouse them more in that sequence. <laughs> and then, then you realise why they had him round, because they're like, he is pretty sad, and you know that gets us off, so bring him in.
3: <laughs> to spice things up a bit, like as a yeah. gift. Like, I know that's you've been to this, so i got you Kevin Costner. Um, he's going to sleep here, just go with it. That's no the, touching. So no,
0: no touching, just look at him, that's the deal. <laughs>
3: Uh, so yeah but like you say he turns up unannounced but they're like well I suppose you better move in then (laughs) because you're Mm -hmm. obviously not going to go away Um, and he finally gets his Sue name which is Dances with Wolves it were about two hours in and I was like finally (laughs) he's got the name uh, the title of the film Uh, I would have liked that maybe to have been in the first ten minutes but again Modern Eyes Um, So he learns, Kevin, John Dunbar, Dances with Wolves, he learns the Lakota language and he immediately uses that skill to pry into the private life of Stands with a Fist to see if she's available and... It's it, I think again, it's maybe just maybe I sort of zoned out a bit, but to me the cut was I've learned the language now, so is she up for it or not? Because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise I'm not gonna waste my time.
2: I, I like that in that scene he finds out that she's called Stands with a Fist um because she punched a woman and then basically shouted at the other women, Do you want some? <laughs>
3: Yeah, I like that as well. It feels like a really British thing yeah. to do to be like, "Who else wants
2: yeah. She was outside but, a pub outside at the
0: side of kebab. Yeah, <laughs> outside of a kebab shop. It's not. It's you, Victoria.
3: Hold my pint. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So then he, there's a bit of. Uh, he pops back to the fort, his fort, and then I right now. Listen, I know we do joke about me not being like a massive animal person, but I'm not like a monster. And mm. he then Infectible. tries to. Well, he he tries to make this wolf eat out of his hand and I'd not, nothing about wolves or dogs, but to me that wolf looks so stressed out and it made me annoyed. It was like, leave it, it's not your pet. You don't need, he's going, come here, wolf, whatever. And the wolf does not want, oh, has... sorry, And in real life, I'm sure the wolf was fine about it. What are you, but... what
0: are you talking about? The, 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 how do you? T- how can you tell if a wolf looks stressed, <laughs> first it of all? Mean, does, it, does it dab <laughs> its forehead with a tissue? Is it like, oh, bloody hell, he really wants me to eat this meat and I don't want to, but I'm going to have to be polite if a wolf eats some meat, it wants to eat the meat. It's not doing it because of peer pressure.
3: But it it sort of bows its head and he's going, come here, wolf. And then it goes forward and it's like, no, I can't. And he's like, but you really want this meat, so come and get this meat. And it looks super edgy about it.
2: (laughs) I'm with Alex on this. I'm not sure what you're talking about.
0: (laughs) No, this is always the way I'm, with you two. I thought trying, you'd be I'm trying to cut down on my meat. I'm trying to cut down on my meat. Oh, bloody hell. Oh, God, I don't want to embarrass him. I've been invited to this dinner party. I'm going to have to eat.
3: This is always the way. I think... I genuinely thought that wolf looked freaked out. I thought you'd be pleased for me noticing that an animal had a full range of emotions... <laughs> I bring this to you, you throw it back in my face. <laughs> Wolf cult from now on. <laughs> Not really. Not Never.
0: Not really. Hybrid dogs. <laughs> Hybrid
3: dogs. Okay, so then in this section, uh, John Dunbar fights with the Sioux against the Pawnee, knee, and they win. Because, of course, they win, because he has armed them to the fucking teeth with all these guns. Um, and after this, this is what we were saying before, he leaves John behind. He says, he, I never knew who he was. And it's like, oh, OK, it's a good job you've got that diary, isn't it? Because otherwise I wouldn't have a clue either. Um, it just, it, I, li- I like the fact that he's like, I'm not John Dunbar, I'm Dancing with Wolves, great, and it comes at the right point in the film, narratively and all the rest of it. But it's like, I don't know who you're even shake- shucking off. It's not such a big deal.
2: I guess the only time we get a sense of that is I think there's one point where he talks about that everything that he believed in or, or, or thought about the world before had sort of, he'd seen the other side of it now in terms of he was fighting in a war, for a people, and he didn't know why. Whereas now he understands that they're, you know, the, his new friends are fighting for food and fighting to save their women and children, and yeah. it was the world had become much more black and white for him
3: yeah I was quite impacted by that speech they it did its a it's a good speech because it does it explains a lot, but it does it it works emotionally that the sort of he was embroiled in something very obviously it's a civil war it's very political and it's quite straightforward where he is, which is the the fight for survival for resources et cetera and I, yeah, it worked on me um so then he marries stands with a fist all the while thinking about how small her feet are. Which, (laughs) as you can imagine, that uh, that didn't sit very well with me. Um...
0: (laughs) I mean, you got a weird moment. (laughs)
3: Sorry. <laughs> what did you just say to I me? I said, have you got big feet? <laughs> I've got average-sized feet, I, but that is neither, by, it's neither here nor there. It's by the by. I just don't it's... like the idea that he's like, what a perfect woman. She's just staring at me and she's got tiny feet.
0: <laughs> mm. I mean, and you know how I, how, how I feel about feet in general. It's, it's like, oh, God, now I'm thinking about feet. But sure, Why was, was you one of the better, better, wedding at <laughs> Is
2: that not a, a positive for you?
0: No feet is the best kind of feet. <laughs> None at all. <laughs> I just yeah, I just, it's it's so it's so awful it's a, it's an attempt at cute romance that just misses the mark by a mile because yeah. if if on your wedding day your partner is looking at your feet in the first place and not at your face or in your eyes or anything just going look at your fucking feet didn't realize how small they were it's not a good <laughs> marriage leave
3: but, but also, this isn't going to end well the idea that women are delicate and that small feet is as, as you know a signifier of that sort of thing. You can't run very fast. But also he doesn't focus on her resilience, her her strength, what she's been through, what she's capable of, what she represents. Like no he's just like you, look at a no tiny. No wonder feet. she's
0: called stands with a fist, because you're not gonna mention her feet, are you? The bloody tiny. <laughs> yes,
3: But whatever. Um but now this is so sort of vaguely problematic. So now that he's like fully in. With the Sioux, because he's married to Stands with the Fist. This is when he fesses up. He's been asked before, I think, how many white people are coming, and he and he sort of holds back. Now that he's married to Stands with the Fist, he's like, "Yeah, there is loads of them are coming." <laughs> it's like now that it's too late to chuck him out. Nice timing, is what I thought. Like you, I understand you, personally. You couldn't tell them that before, but it does look a bit sneaky. I think. Yeah. that you kept that to it, it, anna- and known a, all along
2: it's another one of those similarities with avatar as well in terms of lying about white people plans and 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 choosing when it suits you uh, rather than the people you're with when to tell them the truth
3: yeah
0: mm-hmm.
3: so then this section now bear in mind I, even though i've sounded quite cutting i was i was in I, I was just tired and so it was just like oh it's hard but i understand the sweeping vistas the epic nature the the sort of the the improbability of this film working, and yet it does. And I was really, I was fine up until this point when he pops home to get his diary. And Uh, that's like this, it just fell apart because... He, he's got this whole life that he wants, and they could just leave. And, of course, his old army buddies will be on his case, but they can outsmart those guys. They can move on if they have to. I just don't see... I don't think the diary is as big a deal as he wants me to think it is.
0: And also, when you ride over a crest of a hill and you see a lot of army guys at a fort, you don't stand there going, oh, no, God, oh, my bloody diary's the in there. Diary, what, yeah. do I Turn around and gallop away as fast as fucking possible. Don't yeah. dawdle, idiot! I'm just—I'm—I'm I'm angry.
3: And who writes in their diary? I love this girl, or whatever. It's like, <laughs> how old are you? Like, why does she need to? Oh, just tell her, or just tell the wolf. <laughs> you don't—you yeah. don't need to write it down. Um, But then this confused me. So he gets captured and beaten up and they don't know who he is, the bad guys. And he's like, it's all in the diary. And they're like, what fucking diary? So this diary that he's like, this is so incriminating. They don't know about it. And he tells them where it is and where to find it. Can't he make a different excuse to save his life while he's like, brilliant, they don't know about the diary. So I can just get it and go. Do you know what I mean?
0: Mm. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think he's caught this. I mean, they're not gonna—they're not gonna go. Oh, all right. Yeah, that seems legit because he's a guy, um, um a, a white guy dressed as a uh, Native American, and they are clearly like, eh, what's going on? They're not gonna let him go. There's no way of talking his way out of that situation once he's been captured.
3: Yeah, and then there's a scene where the bit of the, <laughs> the, bit of the diary where he says he loves stands with the fist is uses Lou Roll. It's like what's what's the point of that? The symbolism is heavy. I get that, but in mm. terms of the narrative structure of this film, why have we gone all the way back for a diary for it to be used as Lou Roll? It's no, I can't have that.
0: Yeah, I sort of I didn't really pick up on the importance of the diary till it was used as the reason everyone was going to die. Uh, <laughs> at, at, at which point I was like, Oh bloody hell! I've been meant. It's really, really it's the diary story. Uh, this film. And, yeah, it's it, it really needed to set the diary up in a different way or something, or maybe not set the diary up and not have him go back for the diary, uh, have him go back for the wolf, for example, because yeah. when this diary gets passed around, lost in rivers, handed back to him, and he's like, the diary. At the end, I'm like, what the fucking hell is going on? Yeah.
2: So is, is it not, though, he's gone for the diary because he knows – That when they find the diary and realise that he has become a Native American for all intents and purposes, they will cut him down and kill him for that. But Mm. then, by the time they've captured him, he fesses up about the diary because the jig's already up; they already know. Is that
3: okay? Yeah, it must be, mustn't it? Um, That
2: makes
0: more sense.
3: That's what
2: I took from
0: it, but I could be wrong.
3: And you've seen it five times, so you're the expert. I can't remember anything. <laughs>
0: and also, now I, I appreciate the effort, Victoria, that you put into trying to connect uh, with uh, with me, particularly over my love of animals and uh, your complete disinterest in how long they live, uh, <laughs> with, the, with the stressed wolf scene. Uh, <laughs> but um, you've completely glossed over Cisco the horse's Aww, absolutely yeah. heartbreaking death—a a horse that earlier on in the film saves itself twice. Uh, yeah. Without Kevin's help, saves him once, and then when he rides up on it, when they're connected, uh, he just—it's when they keep shooting his horse. Um, it's I've, awful, I had yeah. Tears in my eyes, and then that shot where he's being led in shackles to the jail on the fort, and he can see Cisco's body in the distance with the vultures pecking at it. I was like, this is so awful. It—it it was. I was in floods. Obviously, I was in yeah. floods.
3: I mean, this. Oh uh, yeah, it was. Really, it is really upsetting because he does have a. That horse is very, very special and has been with him since the start. And although it repeats the beat, you know, it, it, no one can steal that horse. It will always wander back to Kevin. Um, so it is such a shame. I think it, it, well, it's a film that that prides itself on a lot of realistic touches. So would those soldiers have shot that horse? Because you've just you've wasted a perfectly good horse. Um, it's is it there more for the symbolism? I don't know.
0: I think it's because they're terrified of Native Americans and one riding up to camp. I don't think they're intentionally shooting the horse. I think they're trying to shoot him,
3: okay, okay. I mean, this is the section where um the, well actually do you know what i'm gonna I'm gonna correct myself because initially when I saw this section, I was like, oh, here are the rest of the white people, and they're all fucking maniacs <laughs> they're awful, apart from Kevin, he's a good white person um. But then I think I think there's an actor in it. I sh- I've only just thought of this, so I haven't uh, looked up his name properly. There's an actor in this scene where it's the bad guys and they're taking Kevin back to Fort Hayes for him to be hanged. And there's one army person who looks like he m- he might sort of understand where Kevin is coming from. He looks a yeah. bit like Army Hammer, but he's not Army Hammer. Um, so maybe there are some shades of grey here because um, it could do with it by this point. Anyway, then they try to kill the wolf. And I was that annoyed me because it's like, that's Kevin Costner's fault because that wolf would not be hanging around on a ridge if it wasn't for Kevin, teasing it all the time, trying to give it bacon, no?
0: If you've ever wanted to know what a stressed wolf looks like, <laughs> that's what a stressed wolf looks like. <laughs> yeah, uh, a wolf true. that's being shot at. So there's your answer, Victoria. I hope we've cleared that up.
3: Yeah, Um, so the Sioux ambush the party that's taking John Dunbar back to Fort Hayes quite brutally, I mean it's good but Kevin drowns one of his captors but it's good and then the fucking diary floats away and it's like, God who cares about this diary? (laughs) Um, And then he's reunited with his Sioux friends with Stan's with a fist Uh, and then it's like He bravely decides that he's going to go it alone, although his wife is going to go with him, because the bad white people will come and kill everyone, but they are going to do that anyway, (laughs) so so it undercuts his decision a little bit because there's no scenario even, I I think they should have written in like a lie, just to make me believe it because they're going to come anyway, but all they'll do if you're gone is they'll come once but when they come that once, they'll kill everyone so you walking away doesn't actually serve any purpose to save their life, but you get to be a big hero um i think he should have lied and been like if i go they'll give you mercy or whatever and it just would have made me relax a bit and bear in mind i was quite edgy so i was like that isn't going to work um and as we said he does a bit of voice over here presumably into the wind um and then he leaves and then we button all the emotions that are swirling around by wind in his hair who has previously told him he hates him yelling that their mates now he gets his diary back, walks up a hill. The end.
0: I think that's quite effective, though. I do as as an image, Wyndon and his hair standing on top of it, on his horse on that cliff. I, I quite liked that when he's shouting, "How they're going to be friends forever, and you are my friend, you are my friend." That was effective. I, I, I was more concerned at this point with the fact that someone hands him uh, a pipe and gives him a pipe and goes, uh, "Here's the pipe that you were you were making, or I was making for you. It's finished." I'm like. Uh, I'm, I've just come into terms with this diary situation. There was a pipe as well that is of significance. I do not remember <laughs> that. I don't remember anyone talking about a pipe until the very end of the film. In three hours, set up the pipe.
3: Yeah. And then he says, doesn't Kicking Bird say to him, is this your pipe or something? He says, oh, I've never smoked it. He's like, "What? Well, what am I taking from that? It doesn't work. It's <laughs> It might be super powerful pipe. Like it's very big. <laughs> like you'll get like loads off it. I don't know. Um, that's as much as I have, but please feel free to chip in if you've got any more you want to say. Um, so, you know,
2: at the time, this was it, it was a good thing, it felt like, because previously, the Westerns, Native Americans were either caricatures or just villains. And so it was seen as a positive that uh, this was changing in Hollywood. But Russell Means, who's a really famous um, Sioux activist, and he was an actor as well, he's actually in, uh, Last of the he was annoyed with the film and he spoke for a lot of Native Americans, I think, when he said, we did not like... Um seeing the white man teaching us how to use guns, teaching us how to fight, leading us into battle. He said, we're not a stupid people. My nation is the first nation to defeat the United States military on the field of battle, but no one knows it except us. He said, Dance of Wolves continue to embed stereotypes. One of the stereotypes is we can't think for ourselves and we need a white man to show us. A white American cavalry officer, for crying out loud, gets out there and does all our thinking for us, and that reinforced all those stereotypes. So that was some of the criticism Dance With Wolves um, received at the time. But it was a hit, wasn't it? It, it, It's the top grossing Western in movie history, um, even though it never hit number one. Do you know why it never hit number one on the film charts?
3: Because of Home Alone. Home Alone. Home a
2: bloody low.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Rightly so. <laughs> but, uh, and, and
2: obviously it won seven Academy Awards. And, and, Kevin! Um...
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, this Kevin, though, this Kevin, he, as Vicky said, he he um, he um handed over his £3 million pay packet, uh, reinvested it in the movie, so he wasn't actually going to make much if this was a flop. He, there, it's estimated that he made $40 million from Dance With the Wolves.
0: wow. <laughs> on a movie that cost, what, 15, 16 million? Jeez, yeah. that no one yeah. really wanted to make. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh just one addendum. Regarding
2: that four-hour version that I bought on video um in a letter to british film reviewers because it was released in the uk i think this was the only territory it was actually released in um director kevin costner and producer jim wilson addressed their reasons for presenting a longer version of the film they said the 52 additional minutes that represent the new version were difficult to cut in the first place and the opportunity to introduce them to audiences is compelling it creates an opportunity for those who fell in love with the characters and the spectacle of the film to experience more of both Uh, That was at the time. Then in 2004, Kevin Costner said to Entertainment Weekly, I didn't work on the long version of Dance with Wolves. I released the versions I want. They are long, so I don't need for them to be any longer. (laughs) So I was bloody duped. (laughs) (laughs) I was Uh, conned out of my £15 for a four-hour version that Kevin Costner had nothing to do with but pretended he did.
3: (laughs) That's quite sad, actually. uh... okay bits bits yeah bits bits bits
0: bits bits bits, bits. Bits.
3: chris your best scene
2: um uh in the cinema buffalo hunt at home i like that moment when he says i'm dancing with wolves i'm saying nothing to you you are not worth talking to i think that's a really
3: good moment
0: it is alex Ooh, stressed wolf probably. Uh, or you it's can't just... have something that you don't recognize. <laughs> um, it's Cisco dying. Um, it just, uh, I, you know, I hate animals dying in cinema, but I understand the power. I do think in this movie, the fact that Cisco dies and then two socks dies within 10 minutes of each other is really pushing it, uh, oh, tugging God, on I the agree. heartstrings. For, like animal lovers. It's like, <laughs> Oh, you've set up two animals to then kill to have two massive beats of like, that is heartbreaking. And both times you show their corpse just lying there on the prairie. And it, it, it cut me up twice, but it was effective the first time with Cisco. So Cisco died.
3: Do you think that Two Socks does die? Because when Kevin and his diary <laughs> and his wife are going oh, up the hill, you hear yeah. what? You hear a wolf howl. And I thought the camera sort of pulled back from showing Two Socks' actual dead body. Yeah, I thought maybe just got a shot in the bum and then could just get better.
0: No, because there's that shot where you see Two Socks' dead body, which was my first <laughs> clue that he was dead.
3: Right. Okay. Right. Mm. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Uh, so um, my best scene. I did struggle with this because it's. I, wait. It's, sorry.
0: Just let me rewind. That I. I do. I, I want your version to be true though, and I will take another look at it and and see if that's true because that would actually be a much better ending if we weren't sure whether Two Socks was dead. And I, I'm sure he is, but yours plays better for me.
3: Oh, okay. Will you really look or you just say that Yeah, right. I
0: will. Really, I genuinely really will. Yeah. All right. I bought the four-hour version.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, I like it when, I don't like it because of what John Dunbar is doing, but when Dances with Wolves tells Kicking Bird that a lot of white people are come in, as many as the stars, and the look on Graham Greene's face, I just think is amazing because he. I think he is quite angry for being having had this information withheld, but he's his friend now. And he's, he's, yeah, everything is in that look about what is about to happen for real. I thought it was a very powerful moment. Mm. Uh, what is your most valuable whatever, Alex?
0: Uh, okay. So, uh, two socks, the wolf. Uh, who was played by two wolves uh not hybrid dogs but actual wolves uh called buck and teddy so it's either two socks the wolf played by a buck or teddy or cisco the horse uh played uh, by two horses one of which was also called buck uh which probably led to a lot of confusion on set I imagine are you calling me to set or the wolf but uh, the other horse uh, which is a fact, the greatest name ever for a horse. <laughs> I'm even jealous because I thought I'd come up with the best name for a dog because I called si- uh, like my whippet Simon, which I was like, hands down, greatest name for a whippet is Simon. But calling a horse Justin, fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> someone call I, I, the I've horse got, justin
2: <laughs> what i've got written here is justin's nearly as shit as simon <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fuck you yo. know,
3: it's good it's brilliant because he's quite young as well like it's quite preening a little bit or maybe i'm thinking of justin timberlake but this that is a great name for a horse <laughs> good for them um do you know, I've just realised, I think I know so much about, I've met a wolf, that's that's why I know what a stressed wolf looks like.
0: Oh, you're know, you not backing down on this then. Go go, no. let's hear it. I
3: should have explained. Yeah, these people that I knew that ran a pub in Blackburn, they had two wolves.
2: <laughs> and did they get stressed <laughs> out whenever they saw you?
3: <laughs> why I kept look- seizing them with crisps from behind the bar, some frazzles. Come here, wolf. You want a frazzle? Come and fucking get it.
0: <laughs> you can't have it. No, I'm joking, have it. You can't have it. I'm joking, have it. You can't.
3: <laughs> ah, we make our own fun up there sorry um, right uh, have you both done your MVWs I wasn't paying no, attention Chris hasn't. okay Chris go on please uh, shout out to Costner
2: for having the vision and our old friend cinematographer Dean Semler from the Mad Max movies who does a beautiful version with the vistas but I'm going for Graham Greene I think he delivers a really lovely performance as Kicking Bird and it was a real star making turn he did a lot of movies after this
3: well, mine is also Graham Greene as Kicking Bird. Agreed. He is the best thing in it. Uh, now give me your change, please, Chris. Cut
2: Don Barr's mullet and 30 minutes around the middle of the film.
3: <laughs> yeah, the mullet is um He an loved the mullet around there. Loved yeah, a mullet. Couldn't not have a mullet.
0: Yeah. Uh, what about you? I'm, uh, so I had to think about this because I was like, well, this is clearly quality filmmaking. Why am I not enjoying it? What, what is what is my problem with this film? And I think it needs some bigger positive moments. That's what I came away. It needs peaks and troughs because it's got the troughs, no doubt. There are a lot of troughs. Cisco dying, Two Socks dying. Uh, but the peaks aren't there for me. I, I don't. I don't think it's got at least the moments that I count as positive moments in a film are just, I just not there. So it goes trough back to just okay, and then sad again, and then back to just okay. And the things, the bits that are, are meant to like pop and and make you feel like, oh great, this is a wonderful celebratory moment. I just, I just didn't see. So it, it was kind of a depressing watch for me. And I think that I mentioned already the thing about animal death being used both, um, both as a, as a sad and happy beat in in the film doesn't really work like like the horse and the wolf dying within 10 minutes of each other is is bad but also the bit where kevin you mentioned it when kevin kills the buffalo that is riding towards the kid during the hunt is meant to be a big hero moment that is meant to be the positive beat i'm talking about you're meant to be out of your chair at that point like go kevin save that kid kill that buffalo and it just isn't there Like, whether that's because of the story, whether it's because I don't like seeing a buffalo killed as a positive B, I don't know. But that's my problem with it. It all feels very either depressing or one note.
3: Yeah. Uh, Mine is to make John Dunbar a Confederate soldier who believes in white supremacy. Um, So that then keep everything else more or less the same, but then rather than that sort of colonial like delight of like, oh, look, they're just like us. When he's, you know to question everything he believes in let's find out what he believes in and why not make him on the other side of that war um and see so so john dunbar has the ability as as it stands to 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 get over or see past or or not be affected by the attitudes of the time that he lived in so why don't we see him learn to do that why not we've got three hours like there's plenty of time um because when he throws off Dunbar to becomes Dances with Wolves, do we what do we care? Like what have we seen a man do? You know? Um so yeah, that's it.
2: That is a very, very good change, Vicky. Mm. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Thank you. Round of applause from my end. Also, we did this last week, so I'll bring it up again. Do you think Dance with Wolves deserved to win Best Picture that year? It went up against um Goodfellas, Ghost, The Godfather Three, and Awakenings. Well, mm. another one I'll throw in there that came out that year uh, was Miller's Crossing.
3: Mm. I mean, the, the trouble is, in terms of what wins Best Picture, it, it is the winner because it, of its um, scale and ambition. And but then the other trouble is, I think Goodfellas should win most years. So <laughs> I'm not. I can't give a pro I can't give a proper answer. No, Goodfellas should have won because Goodfellas should always win. But maybe that is just my short-sightedness, rather than like a proper answer.
0: I, uh, I mean... You're a Godfather 3 guy, aren't you, Alex? I, I just love, I love that movie and I love Sophia Coppola in that movie. So, so yeah, it's difficult to say. I see what Vicky's saying. I mean, Dances with Wolves, oh, it is, it does... It feels quite special in what it did for. It, it's a story. There's a narrative to this movie in, in terms of it being Kevin Costner's debut film. In terms of the the, the story behind it, the little film that does so well, uh, and by Goodfellas, Martin Scorsese, although he'd not won um, at the Oscar, was you know already a recognised genius filmmaker. So, in ter- this is what you have to look at with Oscars. It, it, it's like, do you just separate out the film from the story, or do you, are they intertwined? But I enjoyed Goodfellas more so Goodfellas <laughs> yeah Goodfellas Goodfellas my favourite Bill's Crossing is my second favourite film of that year and then
2: yeah Goodf- uh, Dance with Dance Wolves can be my third but it was not the right best picture for that year
0: right then um, that's it Dances with Wolves is done shall we do a uh, little
2: quiz let's do a quiz we, we, we go more general knowledge this week
0: um a blue It's a blue quiz we're having. Oh, come on. Are we not doing... I thought, oh, that's a shame. Weirdly, I, I don't know why, but I did GCSE history. Uh, that's not what I mean. I don't know why. I, I chose to do GCSE history. Um, however, uh, weirdly, and I talk about this a lot with people, When I don't know as much about UK history as I do about the Wild West because on my GCSE history syllabus, there, we covered the Wild West. One of the modules was the Wild West, so we didn't touch sort of like Anything about Victorian Britain, World War II didn't do that. But I can tell you that barbed wire was invented by Joseph Glidden. So I was hoping for a Wild West quiz this week. <laughs> but I don't think that would have been very fair on Vicky. Do you know Wild West history, Vicky?
3: I do not.
2: Okay. So let's stick with general knowledge. All right. Um, Vicky's going for the hat trick this week. How are you feeling, Vicky?
3: Uh, I'm stressed. <laughs> like Good. Hey, I,
0: did I not win last week? I'm pretty sure <laughs> I,
3: I won. You didn't. Oh, no, don't be like that. You oh, didn't. Oh, I've forgotten.
0: I, gen, I genuinely had forgotten. That was an innocent yeah, and mistake. And your default and... position is that
3: you're the victor. So, of well, course that, it is. That, that's
0: true, yeah. that, that true, yeah. Blue quiz. Starting
2: with, uh, what is the name of the blue character John Goodman voices in the movie Monsters, Inc.?
3: Sully. Sully. <laughs>
2: There's bonus points up for up this week as well. That's a point to Alex, but I'll give you a bonus point for anyone who knows the character's full name. Uh Joseph uh, Sullivan. Oh. No. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, damn. No. James P. Sullivan. Ugh. Who had a nineteen eighty-nine hit with the song Blue Savannah? Oh. Oh, Cadillac. No. Uh I don't a, know. A kind of an electro duo dance pair. He had a good Pitch-up voice. Oh, that's so close. The other ones. Uh, <laughs> Eurasia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> uh which country's football team is nicknamed the Blues? Italy. Incorrect.
3: Um America. Or oh, Argentina. Uh Bleus. France France <laughs> France <laughs>
2: <laughs> Who played Mickey Blue Eyes Hugh, Hugh Grant.
3: Grant Vicky got there just first <laughs> What I did
2: Who is the longest serving female presenter of Blue Peter
3: uh, oh.
2: Vet Fielding
3: Diane Jordan Nope Janet uh, need... Janet Jan- Jan- Ellis thinking uh, Sophie Ellis Bexter's mum
2: I, I nearly wrote a book with her <laughs> Judith Chalmers. I don't know if you knew this.
3: <laughs> that's not true,
2: is it? Married to Charlie Brooker.
3: Oh, God, what's she called? I can see oh. her face.
0: This is embarrassing.
3: What's That's so annoying. <laughs> oh, uh, Connie Hook. Yes!
0: <laughs> yes! Correct. Oh, right.
2: God. <laughs> um, oh, that's I'll, so I'll give, fun. You, I'll give you a bonus if you can name the longest-serving man, but... It's a while ago now. Uh, Peter, Peter Duncan. Duncan. <laughs> no, pre <laughs> him, pre him. You might not know oh, this one. All right, no it was John Noakes. It was John Noakes. And finally, oh. Vicky, you need this to, to draw square and go take it to a tiebreaker. Okay. In the Smurfs, what is the name of Gargamel's cat?
3: I don't know. I never
0: watched the Smurfs. Yeah, Smurfs was not something I'm very familiar with. What? I can tell you. I'm just
3: going to who... guess. Guess the... a cat cat.
0: Uh, the lighthouse keeper's dog in Fraggle Rock was called Sprocket. Uh, but that's all I got. All right, it's
2: Azrael, and I'm shocked that you you kids grew up in the 80s and you didn't watch the Smurfs.
0: Mm, sorry. I, I think it was on ITV, and I wasn't allowed to watch ITV as a kid.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that worked. Mm. You turned out great. Um, <laughs> yeah, congratulations,
0: Alex. You're, you're back. You're back. Whoa, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Right, then. Uh, so... Uh, Let's look ahead now, uh, before we talk about Thursday, to next week. Victoria, it's your Oscar movie choices. I believe you have a clue for us as to what movies we're going to be covering as a pair next week.
3: The clue is The Man, The Myth, The Legend.
0: Thank you very much. The man, the myth, the legend is the clue. Chris will be following that up on Twitter with another clue. We are at ClashPod on Twitter. Oscar season continues on Thursday. Avatar is going up against today's Best Picture winner. In the meantime, do please subscribe to us, rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify or other. It is massively useful to us and we're eternally grateful. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. Back on Thursday for some Avatar. Bye-bye.
1: This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.